0: went to the Great Wall in Beijing, and they have these toboggans you can go down, and you you have sort of a brake and a, a thing that you push that makes you go faster or slower, but otherwise you're not really steering. It kind of goes around. But I... My husband said, I'm going to get in the one in front of you. I'm going to go first and you'll go second. And he was really smart because I kept pulling the brake. So I was so slow. So he was, they kind of yelled at him for speeding. So this is typical of our driving personalities. They were like, hey, slow down. And me, they were telling me to hurry up (laughs) because I was going so slow because I kept, I was like, brake. It's me and a lineup of people behind where you're spaced out at the beginning, but they had gotten jammed up behind me. So I was causing a
1: traffic jam. Welcome back to Drive With Us Podcast. I'm Bhavni. And I'm Terence G. And today's driver is Shannon Martin. Unfortunately, I was not able to join this conversation with this guest, but you did a great job with the conversation. I feel like you did a really good job of handling everything while I was not there. And it was a truly amazing interview, and I really wish I was there. That's all goes to Shannon, because she had the great stories. (laughs) Let's meet today's driver, Shannon Martin. She currently works in communications and podcasting, and she believes in continuing to explore and learn through travel, books, and podcasts. Shannon and her husband have lived on three different continents and traveled extensively before returning to Spain, where they live now.
2: Welcome, Shannon. Thanks so much for joining us today. Sure.
0: Ready to have fun and talk driving.
2: I'm excited to talk to you since you've been to so many different countries and so many different places. But before we drive into you, wow, here we go, drive into your (laughs) crazy driving experiences, let's get to know a little bit about your background of driving. What are some of the places that you've driven and where are you currently?
0: I've been driving for a long time now. It's it's amazing. I grew up, I think you near know, you all in Maryland. And then I started driving at 17. I didn't do it right away, but I did, you know, driver's ed and normal thing, but then I had a good friend, a best friend that was a little older and had started driving before me, so I just put it off. Put off that dreaded test. And I lived mostly on the east coast of the US, everywhere basically from Maryland down to Florida, not everywhere, but a lot of places in between. And I've been living overseas now for about 10 years, first in Spain for just some short periods, and then in China and now back in Spain. And in all of those overseas places, I have not driven. Both my husband and I have international driver's permits. So you use your license with the international driver's permit to rent cars and things. And we do rent cars from time to time in Spain, but I usually leave that to him because everything is uh, manual or stick shift here. And it's it's a little tricky. He enjoys it. And in China, it was a bit more complicated. It was difficult to even rent a car. You could drive there and get a license. I think you had to get a license there. And in Spain, you also have to get a license here after you're here six months. And we've traveled a lot of places too. And a lot of times we haven't driven. We've taken public transportation, but in some of those places we have. And so lots of varied ways that people drive in different countries and different road conditions and stuff.
2: Yeah. So you mentioned that your husband enjoys driving manuals. Have you ever learned how to drive a manual and is it just like (laughs) not for you?
0: (laughs) I, yeah, I mean, technically, I guess I could say I know how, but I never really caught on to it. I never felt that love for it. To me, there's too many things going on and especially here. And I guess, you know, a lot of places, but here, you know, very much pedestrians really, really have the right of way. In most places in Europe, I guess, really in Spain for sure. And there's a lot of bicycles. I mean it's well organized, but you have to really be super aware. And then the, a lot of the cities have uh, restricted driving areas, and you know, of course, one-way streets and parallel parking, and a lot of things. So for me, that's it's too many things going. I, I don't. I wouldn't say I have the greatest hand-eye coordination. I didn't get the strength in that department.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I can imagine. I mean, here in the U.S., things are more open, and I can imagine overseas where it's like so many more people everything's more closer all the things that you have to pay attention to yeah I don't know if I would be able to do it either it's hard enough paying attention to the road <laughs>
0: and then you don't yeah. pay attention yeah. to everything else yeah for sure I think the highway driving here is really nice and pleasant my husband especially really likes that part of it he's not that fond of the city driving either we really again only rent cars to travel we don't use a car or have a car or anything here in the city where we live public transportation is really good and and we could really mostly take trains here, but especially during the pandemic, we were avoiding public transportation. So the rental car thing has been nice, but he really enjoys getting on the highway. They're really nice here and really well-maintained and everything but then when you get to the cities it just becomes really where are we going to park which one way street and it, we we had a we went away a couple weekends ago and we were <laughs> we had a, we were just going to one city about 20 minutes away and it, it probably took us an hour and a half because of all the wrong turns we took
2: <laughs> i like to say it's not a road trip if you don't take any detours true <laughs> so you got to see more of the area by taking all those wrong turns yes how would you describe your relationship with driving? Do you love it? Do you hate it? Has it grown on you?
0: I, I don't love it. I, I do like road trips, but I'm actually glad I've been really, I've adjusted very well to living overseas where a car isn't to living. I mean, it's not just overseas, but the places I've lived, you haven't needed a car and I've adjusted really well to that because I was always, I, I would say I'm a nervous driver, like a tense, It's it's not really relaxing to me which I think for a lot of people it can be. But the freedom of getting around, I mean, I enjoy certain things about it. And I think you guys had have long commutes and I've had some very long, unpleasant commutes <laughs> early in my career. And therefore I've been a remote worker for probably going 15 years or so. I've been remote uh, and haven't had to commute. And I think that was partially, I was so fond of that idea because of the early experiences having to drive, having to commute. And we grew up in Maryland, but my grandmother and a lot of my family lived in the Fredericksburg and Richmond area. So we drove through that Northern Virginia traffic. And even when I was a passenger, it was just long trips sitting in traffic in the heat. And I also get car sick. So no, (laughs) not not very pleasant. Yeah.
2: Since you've been in the Maryland, D.C., Virginia area, you can probably attest to how crazy traffic and drivers are. Like, they're their own species. I feel like sometimes drivers here are so crazy. Yes,
0: the amount of traffic there just is is wild. Sometimes, and then when we, we lived in Florida, it was uh, different. I mean, there were there was traffic, but it was a lot of the fact that the infrastructure was kind of strange. It, it was smaller. They they did change some things. I, I was actually over in the Tampa Bay area, but over on the 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 coast and that county, it really didn't have a highway per se. It had this highway they called it that went down it but it had lights at that time still so it wasn't really (laughs) a straight through way and a lot of you know just a lot of sitting at lights and sitting at stop signs and stuff so that was it's you know you really had to plan extra time to get everywhere.
2: Is it safe to say that you prefer to be the passenger over the driver when you're in a vehicle?
0: Yes definitely.
2: (laughs) Have you ever been in a situation or gotten in a car where you're like oh my god this was a bad idea I should not have gotten in this car with some
0: with somebody you mean as the passenger Yep. Yeah. <laughs> like oh gosh <laughs> probably I'm trying to, oh yes I remember okay I remember a really good one The one I remember most is we visited friends it was uh, a friend of my husband but I I got to know the woman and her husband at the time and um, out in Colorado and we decided to take this trip We were there visiting so it was obviously in their car and we took this trip. Um, up to this mountain. Then we went to these hot springs. It was all these mountainous roads and everything. And he was a very fast, but also like inconsistent driver. So he would brake fast and you're going around these curves on mountains. And my husband and I nicknamed it something like the the death march or the, the, are are we going to (laughs) die on this (laughs) random road out in the middle of nowhere, Colorado. The roads out to the hot springs, I think it was fairly I believe that we didn't have cell phone signals at some point so we really thought we're gonna get an accident out here, and we're not even gonna be able to get help oh my god it's
2: like, like no one's gonna find us
0: <laughs> yeah and he was just very relaxed he was too relaxed just letting the car do the driving not ta- not having much control of it so it was yeah the hot springs didn't turn out to be that relaxing so it was funny that we had taken round trip almost four hours <laughs> Something that we thought was going to be an hour, maybe. So it it just was one of those stories you can laugh at now, but it wasn't very pleasant at the time.
2: Yeah, it's like you were sitting there like, oh my God, okay, this will be worth it when we get to the hot springs, all this craziness. Nope, never mind. (laughs) Well, this is a great segue into your craziest driving experiences. So what would you say is one of your top three craziest driving experiences?
0: This was as a passenger, but we were uh, in Sri Lanka. And most times there, you can either do public transportation, the trains, to get around. But a lot of people hire a driver, and your driver is actually with you the whole ten days or whatever that you're there, and actually sleeps in accommodation either near where you sleep, and it's all in a package. And they're and they're wonderful. But our poor driver had car problems. <laughs> His car was overheating almost the whole time, and it's it was hot. And there's a lot of getting behind. A, a, old motorcycle or some, you know, there's not a good emissions control. So there's a lot of fumes coming off of vehicles and you get stuck behind horses and cattle and elephants and turkeys and all kinds of, all kinds of animal life, which was actually fun, a really fun part of the trip. And it was one of the most beautiful drives. It just, that was, the, one of the most magical parts of the trip. unfortunately, slightly ruined by this situation with the car overheating because then we would have to just roll down the windows, turn off the air conditioning, boil. and I, I mentioned I get car sick and so I was fine normally, but then when you're hot, And you're on sort of windy roads and things. It wasn't that pleasant. And several times we had to stop and just wait for the car to cool down. So they were already long drives with a lot of obstacles. And that was pleasant to an extent. But then if you have to just sit on the side of the road for 20 minutes for the car to cool down, it gets a little tiresome. And then on the way to the airport, it's supposedly he had gotten it fixed, but it was still happening. And here we are. We have a long flight. We lived in China, but it was still a fairly decent flight. And... You don't want to be feeling sweaty and gross and practically missing your flight. We left probably significantly more time than we needed to be safe. And we still just barely made it. So that was definitely one. And the the windy roads through the mountains, the other. I've been in a few accidents, mostly as the passenger. I was hit as a driver, rear-ended by a, a kid that had just started driving so I, that wasn't really crazy but it was a bit of a unique experience because he was so nervous
2: yeah I can imagine
0: yeah he was really upset and I was I think I was just going to pick up carry out for dinner so it was something where I ran I said "Oh, I'll be back in you know 10 minutes and then calling my husband saying uh no it'll be a little longer <laughs> But his, his father, the, the kid who hit me, his father was really nice and didn't want to do it through insurance because a new driver <laughs> claiming something like that, uh, it'll mean the rates will skyrocket for a while. We got an estimate and he was really good to work with on getting the bumper. It was nothing, nothing major, but I've been passenger of several cars that have been rear-ended. It seems like rear-ending is the... Thing that happens to just about everybody at some point
2: that's that's crazy i mean at least you were able to get it fixed and poor kid hopefully <laughs> at least his insurance didn't go up i can yeah, totally understand but- like when you're in Sri Lanka like the heat in India in that area yeah. oh my god <laughs> i don't know what time of the year you went but oh my gosh i could just i can feel it right now <laughs> like how hot you probably were having to drive around with no ac
0: yeah, yeah. Not not a pleasant thing. And you get the car specifically. That's part of what they advertise. Oh, you'll have a driver and everything's taken care of and it'll be air conditioned. <laughs> so <laughs> it's really uh, quite interesting. But yeah, I've had a lot of uh, experiences, yeah, driving in different countries. I'd say in Spain, it, it feels... Of course, cities countryside is different, but it feels fairly similar to U.S. type of driving. This Sri Lanka it was very different because of all the stuff on the road, and we were in a lot of natural environments. We've actually been to a couple countries where they drive on the opposite side from the U.S., so New Zealand and Australia. That's you know, always unique. Getting even a passenger or a driver, it puts your sort of sense of direction off a of bit.
2: Yeah, and were you were you the passenger in both Australia and New Zealand?
0: Yeah, I, t- I let my husband take on, that, take on that task. But one thing that was cool in New Zealand was that we we rented a car for sort of the second half or more of our journey around the South Island of New Zealand. But the first half, we didn't have a car and we went to this island near Auckland. And that Airbnb actually came with a car, which is something you don't find a lot. And so it was really amazing Airbnb experience. And the the owner he would say to you, if you're from the U.S. or somewhere that drives on the other side, we'll do a little drive together and I'll kind of see how you're feeling and doing before I let you drive the car. But since my husband had driven in Australia before, he was like, oh, you're you're fine.
2: Yeah, that's really interesting. I've never heard of a place that's like, you get a car with
0: your house. <laughs> yeah, really cool. and I think, I don't think it would happen much in the, I, I think it may be heard about it once or twice, but I think it'd be pretty rare in the U.S. just with insurance and liability and those kind of things. But in somewhere like New Zealand it was pretty and it was a small island so it was pretty pretty safe.
2: Yeah, I I have to ask how how hard was it the first time when you guys were switching onto the opposite side of the road? How hard was it to be like okay, I need to stay on the left?
0: <laughs> My husband was driving, he adjusted pretty well to it. The only time when it there were a couple things where he just driving into a gas station or something. Like navigating and that's can be weird anyway trying to figure out where how do I go around and I think both times and even that car at the Airbnb I think those were all automatics because that is another at a difficulty level if you have to shift and you're on the wrong side yeah
2: I know you said he enjoys driving manuals but when you're driving on the opposite side of the road
0: (laughs) you probably want to stick to automatic Yeah, you have enough complications uh, already. And we never, about eight years in China, and we never, neither of us ever drove. We had a friend, I mean, a couple of different people with cars, but one particular friend that we knew really well uh, that drove in the city sometimes. So we would drive with him. But I would say there, it could be, I mean, it was a huge city, but they also limited the cars in the city. So it wasn't as chaotic as it sh- should be for that size city but and traffic could be really bad for sure I and mean, we would take taxis and DD which is their version of Uber uh, a fair bit and you would definitely get stuck from time to time it could be it could be really bad at times but generally for where we went it wasn't it wasn't too crazy it was more that mix of bicycles and scooters and cars that is not typical in the U.S. and not only in China, but I guess in some other countries that we visited, you definitely see this situation where people, it's amazing what people get on a scooter. They have the family of four on a scooter. And then I have some pictures from China where somebody would be carrying a small refrigerator, so it'd be two people on a on, a sco- on an electric scooter with a giant refrigerator or a small, but still a large or a big TV or chairs little kids in the front when I uh, first moved in, after time it doesn't didn't really faze me but at first that was something oh take a picture that's so interesting
2: yeah we've had a guest come on say that in Asian like East Asian especially like scooters are more the thing and he's seen some crazy things like people having 60 pineapples on the back of their thing or like three live pigs and I was like well, how in the world do people balance these things
0: Yeah, I definitely, it's funny because sometimes in Shanghai, where we lived, is such such a big and modern city, and it definitely is, but certainly you still see, you know, life as it, it's, I lived in this, what could be considered a very touristy area, but there was real daily life going on there, and uh, a big market street right behind my house, so if you went one way, you went to everything touristy, and the big park, and if you went the other way, it was just a neighborhood fish and chickens and everything and I, what I do remember especially this one time of year a lot of the live chickens were for sale and people someone driving by on a scooter it was like it was a couple and a kid a child on the front and they had two chickens and they were tied with rope but they were still alive obviously like hanging off the side.
2: This is a great segue into the next question I had since you've been to so many different places have you noticed that there are certain types of drivers or like if you profile a drivers in different areas what kind of drivers have you seen in different places that you've been
0: yeah I guess uh, you know it very I mean in the U.S. you I mean, the first area where I lived uh, and that's uh, typically has been work commuting purposeful commuting a lot of that kind of driving. I think in Florida, what was interesting was that you had some road rage because you had people, families, people commuting for work and all that. And then you had a lot of retirees. So you had this mix with older drivers, sometimes who probably shouldn't be driving. And I actually work in elder care. So I'm not saying that age is automatically a reason that you can't drive, but there are people that have certain conditions and get to a point where they they shouldn't be. And we had to deal with that a lot actually at work. So that's another separate drive at Driving situation I've had to deal with a lot with a lot of families, but you also had this time of times of year where more people, retirees, would come down, so the traffic would change drastically. If you lived there all the time, you would would have this tendency to be irritated by all these extra drivers coming into my area in china it was definitely a different style i remember when i first moved there i read a book there's an author called peter Hessler, i think it is that wrote a lot of nonfiction, sort of memoir books about china and he described it now he this was quite a number of years ago but he described it as because people had only recently transitioned to cars and still drove scooters a lot that there was they much more treated it the way you would treat riding a bike or walking where you might say like passing on the left, or you might do a hand signal. So they did a lot of, when I first got there, especially a lot of beeping, but not out of anger, but just saying beep beep, like coming up on your left was used a lot. Honking was actually nonstop when we first lived there. And then they, re- they did this big, big crackdown. And this happened with several things where we were in China, same with smoking, where once they finally really started finding people money and like a significant enough amount of money, Then they finally really cracked down on it. I heard about it, but I kind of forgot. And then all of a sudden, one day, I thought, wait a minute. It used to be a lot louder in my apartment with all that honking. It really worked. I just didn't even notice. You know, once it was gone, you forgot that it had been that way before. But it really improved. The scooters were still, there were... Hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of food scooter d- deliveries. That's how food was delivered. It's not, no one's in a car delivering food. They're scooting around and weaving between you on the sidewalks and stuff. And so they still beeped a lot because, of course, they were about to run you over on the sidewalk. One area they could have used some work on because that was probably the, the most dangerous piece. I got hit by a scooter once. It was not a food one, but just a regular scooter because they were. It was pedestrians versus scooters, not so much cars versus scooters. And I would say in China, for sure, the big thing wins. So pedestrians are the lowliest. Then there's scooters, then cars. And then if you're a truck or a bus, you're number one and you could basically do what you want. Here in Spain, I don't know if I have a really good handle on it. What I would say is that people, when they get on the highway, they can be really speedy. And it's a very relaxed general pace of life and sort of low key, low stress in general in Spain. I, and there, there's just so many things about driving and parking and stuff in different places that you see here. I found out a thing recently where people double park here and they didn't realize they, I don't know if they leave the car in neutral, how they do this so they don't put the emergency brake on so that you can actually push the car out of the way if you need to get your car out when they're double parked. And was, what? Yeah, I thought that was fascinating. We were in a place and people were double parked and they were beeping, which that kind of makes sense to me to try to get the person to come out so they could get out. And I didn't see them push the car out of the way. But when I was discussing this with someone, they said, oh, I'm surprised they didn't just push the car out
2: of the way so wait that is mind-boggling i'm just gonna leave my car if you need to move it move it that's fine (laughs) just just push it you know
0: just get out and push it yeah and then there's a lot of streets here that seem like they're pedestrian well there are a lot of pedestrian only streets tons in almost any city or town especially because many towns have ancient areas and cobblestone type streets and then a lot of the Older towns or any city you go to also have these very some of these very small, windy streets and streets that you've probably seen on movies or maybe in person where the car just even the small cars just barely fit and you're up against a wall.
2: Yeah, I always imagine I'm like
0: that's what I think of when I think of European driving
2: those little tiny narrow roads and you're just like I can barely fit.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and then in the cities and highways and just about there's also a lot of roundabouts which are actually quite efficient, but sometimes uh, Americans especially aren't as used to those. We don't have a ton, I guess, depending on where, where in the U.S. And so you have to know that how that whole process works.
2: Yeah, I feel like here especially we've started getting roundabouts in our area and Americans just don't know how to use one or at least various like what do I do with this because people are like do I use my indicators do I am I supposed to what do I do and people will switch between lanes while in the roundabout and you're like no that's
0: not how it works (laughs) yeah cut across when you need to i remember that i think it was european vacation they did that he kept going around and around and around because he didn't know how to get off of it and it's it's funny but i that kind of thing does happen
2: yeah i can only imagine especially like the one in is it london the really big one it's like you get on the inside and you're like how do i get
0: out (laughs) yeah i can definitely i can definitely see that but they're they're efficient i mean you don't sit traffic lights so it can work really well It makes a lot of sense, I'm sure, from a city planning perspective.
2: Now that we've heard a little bit about your crazy driving experiences around the world, let's dive into what kind of driver you are. How would you describe yourself? You kind of hinted at this a little earlier, but how would you describe yourself as a driver? And would you say that your family and friends would agree with
0: that? I think I'm I'm cautious, timid, a little stressed about driving. Not gonna say I never speed, but I'm I'd be more on the side of being slow or at the speed limit. Typically, I I'll give you a story that's actually not driving, but it relates to driving. When I we went to the Great Wall in Beijing, and they have these toboggans you can go down and you, you have sort of a brake and a, a thing that you push that makes you go faster or slower, but otherwise you're not really steering. It kind of goes around. But I, my husband said, I'm going to get in the one in front of you. I'm going to go first and you'll go second. And he was really smart because I kept pulling the brake. So I was so slow. So he was, they kind of yelled at him for speeding. So this is typical of our driving personalities. They were like, hey, slow down. And me, they were telling me to hurry up. because i was going so slow because i kept i was like break and he finished before me so he was there and he had his you know phone he took a picture and i I need to delete it somehow because it's me and a lineup of people behind where you're spaced out at the beginning but they had gotten jammed up behind me so i was causing a traffic jam (laughs) i'm not that bad on the road but I, i i lean towards being timid my my husband would definitely agree with that. And my family, yeah, I think they would probably say I'm a fine driver. I don't think they would really, they might say I'm a little bit cautious. My father was my driving teacher, so he would probably be more aware of the timidness and also that I wasn't very confident. I remember just some crying incidents when he was trying, and he was very patiently teaching me. It wasn't his fault, but I was just upset with myself that I couldn't get certain things and parallel parking was a fun one for me. And I avoided the Maryland driving test. You have to parallel park. I guess the tests are a little different depending on which place you go, but you have to fully and very well parallel park. So I did that and then I don't think I parallel parked. I I remember specifically in college, at one point I had a car and friends had cars and you might be helping them park. And I would drive around around and around and around and around until I could find a place in the lot instead of parallel. And then sometime I think one of my friends just pushed me or it was the only option and I did it. And I thought, what have I been so afraid of? It's not that big of a deal. And it's not, you're not even talking about the city. So it wasn't, there wasn't a line of traffic waiting, yelling at you generally. It was pretty calm. So I don't know why uh, I was so timid about that. But then I got more confident with parallel parking.
2: Yeah. Parallel parking is one of those things that people, when you're first learning, they really are like, oh my God, this is the scariest thing. It's the hardest thing you're ever going to do. So it just kind of like it's with you until you just do it. And then you're like, oh, that wasn't that
3: bad. <laughs> yeah.
2: So, would you consider yourself when you are driving someone who honks at other people
0: not very not very often
2: because i i know you didn't drive in asia but like obviously honking there is completely different which i like the point that you made earlier that since it was scooters first and they were transitioning to cars you're used to that in a scooter sense and they just translated and it kind of explains a lot of why a lot of east asian countries are Very loud and honking. I know India, everyone honks everywhere.
0: Yeah, it's just, it's the way it operates. There's not always a set of quite as much of a set rule and law. I mean, there might be, but people, it's more negotiable. Uh, I know Vietnam is like that for sure. There's a lot of scooters and people, and you really have to figure out the flow. I think it's that way in India, Sri Lanka, like a lot of of places.
2: It's like a whole different language over there. (laughs) What would you say is your biggest driving pet peeve when you're on the road?
0: I would say, and this probably wouldn't be if I'm driving, but since I get car sick, I I don't like windy roads and stuff, but I really don't like when you have a driver that is, I call it like herky-jerky, where they are often on the brake gas, or especially when they have both feet, one on the gas and one on the brake at the same time, and they're going, and oh, and I I remember a taxi ride to the airport in Shanghai, and it was a fairly long drive. And again, you're already, if you get motion sickness, the plane isn't always great either, so you don't want to start off already feeling sick, and I felt so sick by the time I got to the airport. So that's probably one of the worst things. I also, I don't like road rage. I've definitely been with drivers that have it, that are irritated with people. I... I'm sure I've had it at times with traffic. I think for me, it's usually more stressed, and so maybe I'm sort of yelling to myself about the person or the probably the traffic, but it's because I don't like to be late. I don't know that I've really had uh, a lot of major road rage personally.
2: Well, that's good to hear. I mean, (laughs) growing up in Maryland, that's good to hear that you don't have road rage. (laughs) Now that we heard a little bit about the type of driver you are, let's dive into your driving first. What was your first time driving experience like and who was it with?
0: I guess my... Father, when we were practicing, and probably when we were younger, I'm sure we he had us sit on his lap and drive in the in the cul-de-sac or something. I would say mostly with him, and he was patient. And he, my father was in medical sales most of his uh, working career, so he drove a lot. He had to use maps. <laughs> there were no Google Maps. There were no phone, you know, cell phones. I recall he actually got one of the very first car phones, which was the big bag, and it was. Now, of course, what he told us may have been to intimidate us from touching it or whatever. But I remember it being something like two to $3,000 for the thing. And that's one thing. If you have a really nice phone now, I guess it could cost that much. But then also the calls were something like $5 a minute or it was, it was insane. And so it was very much hands off. You can't call your friends. You know, that's not what that's for but we were fascinated by it and actually I had much later but still when I started driving I I had a a bag car phone. (laughs) I'm dating myself now.
2: And you were mentioning the terrors of parallel parking on your test. So how was your driving test experience? Were you able to pass it on the first time?
0: I, no, I failed the first time remembering. So I did driver's ed and then I got the learner's permit, which is like the written test. And then I, no, I know I definitely took it once and failed. So in people all over the world won't necessarily know, but the the main DMV, which is the Maryland motor vehicles is in Glen Burnie Maryland and that and then there's different branches but only some of them do the tests or this is the way it was and so I did mine at the main one and it was no pretty notoriously hard and the thing that I got caught on the first time that failed me it was an auto, you know automatic failure they had a no right on red traffic light and it, they ha- they make the sign very hard to see so you're paying attention so that you're not supposed to do that. And I'm pretty sure in driver's ed, we went over what might catch you up. And that was one of the things. But as soon as I did that, I didn't even get to the parallel parking part the first time <laughs> that happened. Because once you do that, that's automatic failure. They just take you back. So I failed the first one. And then I, I passed the second one just fine. That's nerve wracking.
2: <laughs> yeah. It's, it's really interesting that you said the, the Glenn Bernie one is notoriously hard. I guess it's changed because... When we went to go take our driver test, it's that one's actually known as being the easiest because it is the mm. headquarters. I guess they're super busy. I don't know. Oh, wow. Yeah. And the one that's near us is known as being really hard. And oh. so, like, people will purposely avoid it. That was really interesting. But also, the fact that they made you parallel park afterwards after you did other parts of the test. Cause I feel like at least in our area, they make you do it first. So that way, if you can't do it, you're done. Like don't even go <laughs> That's on the smart. Road. <laughs> That's
0: really, yeah, smart. And although I was glad that that first time when I failed, from the light that I was glad that wasn't in a way I was glad that wasn't after because if I had gone through parallel parking and then failed on something simple like that which I probably would have been more likely to miss it at that point because I would have been flustered by the parallel parking but yeah it's I'm sure a lot of that has changed and it is fascinating I'm sure you, you guys have talked to so many different people how different driving tests are just within the United States, even within a state, but between different states, some are very much just drive around the block (laughs) and Mm -hmm. learner's permits work differently and all of that. And if, if if we ever decide we wanna get a car here in Spain, we actually, as Americans, there's no exchange process. Unfortunately, because the US has state by state, they often can't do reciprocation with places because they don't have a federal. If they had a federal license, it would be easier to work out. But because of that they don't have any reciprocity or anything on that so literally if you've been driving for 40 years you move here and after six months of being a resident you're supposed to get a spanish license which is starting from scratch so you have to take a written test or computer and then a driving test and it's uh, what i understand is similar to what i had heard in china it's very minute details on the written part and you really just have to take a million practice tests and memorize. And I didn't really know what that was all about. I thought, oh, driving rules. Okay, yeah, you'd need a refresher anyway. My Our Spanish teacher was telling us, no, it's things, I mean, it's got a lot of first aid on it. They want you to be able to do first aid if you get in an accident or something. It's got a lot of car, car maintenance and car safety. And she said that's where it'll get very complicated where they'll say, let's say your tire pressure is supposed to be, I don't I obviously don't know what I'm talking about, but 200 PSI or something. And she'll say there will be two answers that are like, should it be 212 PSI or 215 PSI? Or the oh. centimeters, they'll be one centimeter off. So it's not that the answers are, they're, they're purposely very detailed to where you could still very much know what you're doing and know a lot of the things very well. And that's the only way to to pass that is really to be able to memorize certain those certain parts.
2: That's really interesting. <laughs> I mean, I guess it's also a good thing that they then you're really prepared, you know what to do, because it's just like, what do you do at this intersection? All right, you pass.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I can see some of it being good with some some basic car maintenance. And actually, the teacher that brought that up, she said, it is good because when I, I used to drive, I drove first in the US because her, her husband is from the US and she said, I uh, got my license there and everything. She goes, I didn't, I I didn't know I was supposed to check my oil in my car. So all of a sudden it was just a big problem. And she, whatever taught me car maintenance. And so she said the car maintenance part and some of the first aid stuff made sense. but Some of the detailed things are just to throw you off.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean. It's good and it's bad because it's super hard then. But hey, you know what you're doing if you passed.
0: Yeah, so most everyone does uh, auto school because they give you like the, all the practice books and stuff and then you can do the practical part. And you can, I believe the computer, you know, the written piece of it or the computer piece you could do in English, but the translations are so bad. So I've heard that uh, it's a really a bad idea to do it in English. And so I, if I ever did it, I, I would do it in Spanish. But I probably won't ever do it. (laughs) You got
2: your husband to drive you, that's fine. (laughs) Now that we talked about your driving experiences, your past, your present, let's talk about the future of driving with self-driving cars becoming a thing, more prominent, and probably eventually sooner rather than later becoming a mainstream thing. What are your thoughts on self-driving cars and would you get in one?
0: Ooh, I, yeah, I mean, I'm all for technological advances, so I'm not going to be a sort of, oh, that's anti-technology. I'm not going to say I wouldn't, but of course I've watched some sci-fi things where someone hacked into it and took over to kill people <laughs> and stuff. That's worrisome, but I actually think realistically, if we want to be true to it, if we want to be realistic uh, right now, that could things, a, a car could be hacked, Even if it's not self-driving in order to, I mean, you can just cut wires and kill somebody. So it's not that different. I do think it's quite interesting with AI and how much cars even now before self-driving, how different it is. I heard one of my favorite authors that writes, uh, what is it called? Futuristic, not not sci-fi per se, but futuristic kind of things he said, we don't realize how much it's already so much part of our daily lives and our cars are all smart cars, everything they do. And he said, so now I t- I had a problem with my, oh, he said he was annoyed with all the noises the cars make nowadays. They tell you about backing up and this and that, and you're about to hit this. And so he's, he wanted to see if he could get some of it turned off. And he said the dealership, they, they don't even, it's, it's like the black box, like the mysterious, like they, they were like, we don't know how to do, to, to tap into that, to change it. It's, it's mysterious <laughs> to us. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it's it's going to be interesting. But I'm not I'm not against that. I really have really enjoyed what's called the sharing economy. But I don't know if it's so much that anymore of the progress of having things like being able to Uber and that kind of stuff. Of course, but also mm-hmm. the car share situations. And here we have, I think there's car shares here, but they also have the scooters, little scooters that you can get on the street with a QR code and an app. And I think that's, it's, it's really handy. And for a lot of modern day situations, especially people living in cities, it makes a lot of sense. And I think we can, you know, some of that could improve life and hopefully life for the planet.
2: Yeah, I agree. It'll definitely make things more efficient and hopefully help cut down on like, traffic and all of that stress that comes with driving in cities yeah
0: what about you how do you feel about the self-driving
2: i i actually really enjoy driving at least at this stage (laughs) i really love it i don't know if i'm willing to completely give up that control if there was a switch where i could be like today i don't feel like driving go ahead or i want to drive let me let me drive (laughs) kind of thing maybe but i feel like i also need to see it in action like it works. Make sure it see stats and all that. Make sure it's actually reliable.
0: Yeah, that makes sense for sure. Yeah, that there is. I mean, a lot of people get a lot of pleasure out of driving, so that we don't think about that sometimes. When we when we go towards some type of convenience or we build some AI to do something. Sometimes I don't think we think about what we lose in terms of that stuff, and also what what the purpose is. I mean, With self-driving cars, maybe it's more evident, but there's other things that we build without thinking, without really filling a need or a pain point. We'll see what happens.
2: Yeah, it's going to be an adjustment. It's like, all right, now take your hands (laughs) off. Wait, what?
0: (laughs) Yeah, strange.
2: Bonus question time. Are you ready? Sure. If you could make one new driving law, what would it be? It could be as realistic or crazy as you want. Wow.
0: Well, okay. I guess this is follows along with what we were talking about. I would somehow make there be a a more universal system for driving permits, driving license, so that there's something for someone like me and and my husband that have lived all over. I feel like if there was a a better, more uniform, which let's face it, that is a fantasy because we can't even do that in the U.S. All the states have different (laughs) things and you can't just, you know, have your U.S. license. So I'm sure that the whole world will never agree on that, but that would be my magic, uh, my magic law.
2: Uh, that's actually a really good one. I I agree with you. Like, even state to state is so crazy. Having at least a way that you can transfer between countries would be amazing. So you don't have to go and take this super hard Spanish driving test.
0: <laughs> yeah. And at a minimum, I would like there to be a U.S. license. I mean, if, if we can't get the world to agree, it would be nice if there was a because for people, so many people I know that have lived overseas at different points, you really, a lot of times you don't have a state residency anymore if you don't maintain a home. And so you fall in this weird gray area. We already had to renew our licenses once and we no longer had a tie with our previous state. So we were kind of lucky in that my fam- our family members lived back in Maryland and we were able to sort of, okay, we get some bills sent there and stuff so we can take that to the DMV. And since, we had grown up there and had licenses there before. I feel, I don't know for sure, but it seemed to make it easier because they pulled up old information. That was many, many years before they pulled up old information, but there's really no, there's different ways that people navigate that. There's nothing set and it's, it can be very strange to figure out and really not have a good solution for.
2: Yeah, that, that's a really good one. I, I mean, as you said, who knows if it'll actually happen, how realistic that would be, but one can hope. Yeah. <laughs> do you have any final tips that you would like to give new drivers or listeners? Any advice?
0: Enjoy what you can of it, whether it's as a driver or a passenger. If you're someone like me who knows it's not their favorite thing to do to be the driver, then you can enjoy being the passenger too. But it's, it is an enjoyable experience to be able to like, we're, we're lucky that we have cars and we can get around places and see things especially in the u.s that are really not accessible a lot of other ways so it's it's really certainly convenient and then on the flip side of that i also really believe in getting around on my two feet and bicycling and stuff so you can get the best of both worlds use a car where it's where it has its strengths and then there's other alternative means of transportation too
2: before we let you go Where can listeners find you and connect with you?
0: We actually, we have a blog, but I don't keep it up very well, but it's To Who Travel, like T-W-O, Who Travel. And that is, uh, there's a Twitter with it. So that's pretty, that's a pretty easy place. And I'm actually Sam, S-A-M, which is my initials, To to Who Travel on uh, Instagram. Uh, And then I also work in the podcasting world. So I work for Podbean, which is a podcast hosting platform. So that's one place where I'm, I'm, probably most active online is on all the pot beans stuff.
2: Very cool. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your driving experiences. It was really fun talking to you.
1: Yeah, it's fun to reminisce about it. It was really interesting that she mentioned her driving law would be having a universal US driver's license, which I I mean, I guess it makes sense in a way that every state in the US has its own laws and own requirements that as soon as you cross state lines, some may not have gone through as intensive a driving process as other states may have. But it's also really interesting to think about that other countries do
2: not have that. You get a, like, I don't know, Spanish license. Yeah, that's it.
1: what my question was. Like India, for instance, that's the only one I can think of on my head. has its own states per se, but do they have one universal license for the entire country? Yeah, are we just so different that like each of
2: our states like to be its own entity, pretty much? They want to be their own thing.
1: So, is that why? Are we the only ones? Are we the enigma? That's what I'm curious about. Do other countries have specific like like each state or each area has its own test, or is it universal throughout the country?
2: Yeah, if you are in a country where you have different licenses depending on which
1: region or state you're in. Let us know below. Why are you whispering to them? In the comments, secretly (laughs) tell us. (laughs) Another thing I was thinking about, because we do ask our guests about self-driving cars and what their opinion is about it and how comfortable they would be with it, is when self-driving cars, if they do become the norm, you know, like self-driving cars are everywhere and barely anyone actually drives anymore, would the license process be different and would it turn into a more universal license in the U.S. because you know self-driving cars would essentially be the same basic you know yeah, what, would, what would your license test even be then do you know how to start vehicle all right do you I know guess how to sit
2: and be- back a vehicle
1: good job <laughs> would you even have to or would you have to take a basic crash course in how to take over if something were to go wrong
2: Yeah, I feel like you would still want some sort of basic understanding of if you're in a situation, oh my God, I need to take it over or basic maintenance of how do I start, stop this vehicle? I still need to know how to
1: do that. In my mind, what I also think, self-driving cars could go that way, or it could turn into kind of like you getting on a train where you just kind of hop in. It's just in. ready
2: for you? Yeah.
1: <laughs> you, where well, you push a button on your phone and be like, I'm ready to go. Or it's like in amusement parks where it's on a track and you just kind of like hop into your So you seat. don't even get your own car anymore? No, you get your own like gondola, your own little space, but you're like on this track that just keeps going. So it's just public transportation the whole time. Well, isn't that what self driving cars kind of are gonna turn into? No, because you'd still have your vehicle. Right, but I feel like there will be distinct paths or something that it'll be like those anime sci-fi movies where you just like hop into whatever you want. It's like constantly going You're like, oh
2: <laughs> time to go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> go five here. Yeah. I wonder what I just I like know. that noise. <laughs> 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 and that's how I imagine them hopping in. Just like butt scoot. We hope you enjoyed listening to Shannon's driving stories and be sure to stay tuned until the end of this episode to hear a sneak peek
1: of next week's driver, Amandeep from India. He dives into the craziness of Indian drivers, which I'm sure you heard a little bit from us when we share those small experiences we had, but uh, well, he what? shares some of his experiences on the road, like the time he crashed a motorcycle into some aunties. Thank you for tuning in this week. And if you
2: enjoyed this podcast, you can help support the show by sharing it with your friends or
1: leaving us a review. It truly does help us get discovered. Thank you. Thank you for choosing to drive with us and we'll see you next week.
3: Vroom, vroom. I, I remember my first exposure to a two stroke motorcycle was with two of my friends. There were three of us. And in our in our area we used to live, we used to have this huge garden. And it was it was circular in, in shape. So on a Sunday morning, we all got together, took out his bike, and we we're like, okay, let's go and learn the motorcycle now. So he took the first round, careful, all set. The second guy, we were three of us on the same motorcycle, none of us knew how to ride. And you know, I've always been a little a little curious. So I thought on a turn, he told me right, on a turn, you're not supposed to accelerate so hard and keep a control over your clutch and your brake. I said, all right, we started. On the third turn, I thought, what if I accelerate hard? What if I jerk off my clutch? I did exactly that. There were these four or five ladies out for their morning walk. We went and rammed the boom cycle into them.